Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Welcome to Because. I'm your host, Mark Zyla. This week, we hear the second part of my conversation with Adam Peters. Adam is the Director of Operations at Clock, Inc. here in the Quad Cities, works in the show choir world as a clinician and judge. He's worked in politics. He's done so many things, but at the end of the day, Adam is just such a force for good in our community, and I really enjoyed speaking with him, and I hope you enjoy learning the second part of the Becauses of Adam Peters. this show is about like the career element of things. Um, and I want you to, to dive into a little bit, um, thinking back to maybe that those first months that you were back from Luther and maybe talk a little bit more about the boring element of like, of the business side of things from that moment until now, I suppose, because I have to imagine that it's, uh, saying yes to certain things and being around certain people allows that ball to start rolling. Yeah. Um, so if you have any tips or, or like you decided I'm going to go do this thing today and this is, so talk about that a little bit for us. It's kind of, it's kind of strange because I am one of those people that was like the first to kind of do this. Like, mm-hmm. and people remind me of that all the time. And I I, it still doesn't really sink in with me. Like I have kind of created, I was one of the first people to create this sort of path, um, or let people know that you can do what I'm doing. Um, or define it as a path. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, yeah. Oh my God. My parents for years were like, what are you doing? Like this, this is insane. Like just go get your vocal ed degree and be a teacher and call it a day. And it's like, that's not what I want to do. Like, Mm -hmm. but I still want to be involved in this. I love this and I know I can give back. They finally have started to come around because they can see what I have created. Right. Um, but back to your question, um, some, tips, which I mean, they're not the best tips because I feel like a lot of the younger generation don't want to hear the advice and the things that I did to like get where I'm at, but Mm -hmm. it's taking a lot of unpaid gigs. Yeah. I'm sorry. It sucks. It really does. I get that. But you get so much incredible experience with people that know what they're doing. And in this field, this is not a money maker. No. Like we're not doing this to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like right. that's not why we do this. Yeah. So like these people that you're kind of getting information from, 
they don't have, they're not getting enough money to pay them. Right. I think a thing that is, oh, I'm so happy we're having this conversation because I've been like begging for legitimate moments to talk about these yes. things because like it, it seems hack if you're just like let's talk about music business but like when it comes organically it feels so much better but yeah. i like 100 percent agree with you and i think that something that um i'm gonna try to choose my words correctly because i i don't want to seem like like <laughs> too much of a boomer you know what i mean <laughs> but like um I think meme culture has kind of erased this understanding that everyone's careers, every person's careers, no matter like if it's big, small, however you would describe a career, starts off with something that is less than ideal. Yeah. And like, um, I think the rub is trying to determine when you have graduated out of that first step. And I think it's way too easy for us that are, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a part of this culture, man. Like I, I Instagram start my day with it, yeah. you know, <laughs> for better, for worse, Same. you know what I mean? But like every time I scroll past, you know, this whole, like, um, there's always one thing about, you know, I'm going to put $3,000 worth of equipment into a $200 car to get a $50 gig. If you're at the level in which you're investing that type of money into the tools to do the job, you might not be taking those $50 bar gigs anymore. Yeah. But like $50 bar gigs are step one. Yeah. Or step zero. Absolutely. But at the same time, you don't look at REM and go, REM, why don't you come and play my bar for 50 bucks? Yeah. Right? You kind of have to get smarter about determining if you're dealing with Amazon or if you're dealing with the green box theater or, you know, any number of like, I think, cultural organizations that do not have resources to do things. Yeah. And so for us to treat the Adler theater and the black box theater similarly is is a little bit insane, right? Absolutely. And I think it also tells people who haven't started this journey yet that that there is no step zero or no step one. And to me, that's actually discouraging. You think you're being encouraging, but you're actually being discouraging. Absolutely. Because you're telling people that step zero or step one on your journey will inherently be predatory. And that's just that's it's just not, not been my experience. Yeah. It's been a lot of really well-meaning people who are trying to do a thing in a community that doesn't have things. Yes, and you can't both say, there's nothing to do here. I want things in my community, yeah. but not support these like fledgling type yeah. uh, efforts. Yeah. Because they're so important. Absolutely. Like, like you can't like it's it you we see this in so many different places. It's like, um, you know, I unfortunately always go back to sports metaphors. It's like, boy, I love watching the NBA finals, but God, elementary school basketball sucks. <laughs> like, that's just such a stupid opinion to have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I, it, and anyway, so thanks for bringing it up because no. it's like, hey, y'all, like there for every story of a person that will tell you, I said yes to a free gig or I said yes to a crappy paying gig for every person who tells you their story stopped there, there's exponential numbers of people who have used it i met another person there absolutely and like for you i want you to 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 even describe that story more because like 
you you're a living example yeah. of saying yes and and, and going yeah. forward but had I not said yes to so many of the opportunities that were maybe not paying or paid poorly, like I would not be where I'm at. Like the fact that I would accept the amount of money that Muscatine originally was trying to pay me. And, you know, it, it, yeah. So we, we have a problem because I do feel like people are seeing what they have to do to get the experience and they're just, not wanting to do it because they want to be just automatically paid what they think they're worth. Right. But they don't actually understand that that's going to take a few years to like really make happen. Right. Or that in this space, um, you know, like when you kind of talk about um, resume work versus like non-resume work which it's like when you came out of luther college if you had to put on a resume what you were capable of i'm imagining knowing you <laughs> that there was a part of you with confidence to say i can do all this stuff right and i'm imagining that there's it's, another it's part actually of the opposite but okay. yeah i can't do yeah. any of the things yeah yeah, well, yeah. okay me yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> if when i came yeah. out of school it's like i can i can do all the things you want boy yeah. like i can be principal horn in your orchestra i can balance your bunches i can do all these things but i had like no experience actually doing those things and so like to be able to put on a resume that i started a woodwind quintet and did some level of fundraising to fund that yeah did i enjoy doing that work 100 percent, no yeah because on a saturday i would much rather be out doing a thousand other things than writing a grant proposal but boy am i glad i did it yeah you know, so anyway. Well, and, and that exactly course. that, that so the, the time, the time aspect too is like, again, we want the cheat code on how to like get out of like spending all this time into, you know, creating yep. this career. And it's like, there is no cheat code. You're going to have to sacrifice your weekends. Like mm-hmm. I, I have not had a free weekend until I started my first like nine to five sit down job two years years ago. I'm turning 35 in July. Right. Surprise Adam Palooza uh happened, but my birthday <laughs> is in July. Um But yeah, like I only started having free weekends because I finally got my first big boy job. Like I put in the time, I you know, was at a bunch of things that maybe sometimes I didn't want to do, but like at the end of the day, it got me to where I am now. Yeah. And yeah, it sounds super boomery, but like Suck it up, Buttercup. Like yeah. we've got, you've got to do the work. Right. And like I hope, and this is kind of like we were talking about earlier. I think before we turned the mics on, just this like my obsession <laughs> with being able to hold two things as being true at once that might be diametrically yeah. opposed. Which yeah. is, we can both say that boy, it sucks that we have to do it this way. I wish there was something better. Yeah. And then hopefully by the time we are actually old people <laughs> come yeah. back into this room and have another discussion to say that, hey, we've actually done some work to make those beginning steps suck a little less for the next generation. Absolutely. But you can't be so obsessed with this ideal world that doesn't exist. Yeah. It just doesn't. It yeah. doesn't exist that if you want to be a musician, like I, I feel like a hundred percent like sure on this like you cannot be a musician without playing a free gig amen 
Like, you just can't do it. Retweet. Right. And, you know, I hope to be able to be a 90-year-old to say that I have not seen a free gig in 20 years. But, like, it's just not the case. And at the same time, it's like, you know, before people roast me, which not enough people listen to roast (laughs) me on this kind of things, it's like, I'm not saying that legitimate predatory behavior is acceptable. No. Yeah. Because, man, you know, you can find it. Yes. It's out there all over the place and legitimately every genre of music in every workplace, there is legitimate predatory behavior. But a lot of times in the art scene, there's just no resources. Yeah. They ain't got it to give you. And so the the actual question is, do we want to do this thing together? Is there some level of kind of shared ownership in it? Yeah. You know, like a good way, I think, to find a predatory a place is like if you've been asked to do this free work how much are you being presented as a person who is like part of the team that's creating it like if you don't get mentioned or you're pushed way down to the bottom or something like that i would probably be less inclined to take that yeah but it's like i would again you know more often than not you'll find people who like we ain't got resources but you'll be stage director or you can like you know really demonstrate that me accepting this free work has built something that I can then leverage for future paid work. And I, th- I think why I even, I mean, it's not even just the free work too. Like I have been in a boat before where like I wanted someone to come and work with our show choir combo. And I contacted a young person that was a combo director of a show choir somewhere else. And they had great success. They were winning the caption award best band at all the show choir competitions. Mm -hmm. And I wanted our group to sound just as good. I was at Muscatine. We didn't have a lot of money. This would have been this person's first clinic that they ever did with another group. Right. And said like, this is not enough money. I wish I could pay you more. This is all we have. Could you please come in? No, because that person said that they are worth this much money. Yes. I know you are. 100%. I know you are, but right. we don't have the money. Yep. So it's like, don't turn down the opportunities. Th- saying yes to that opportunity that might not pay or pays little is going to open more and more doors to you mm-hmm. and give you so much more um, than you can imagine. Right. So, And no one is asking you when you get to the point where your schedule is full no one is at, if somebody's asking you to do free or low paying work and you have higher paying work they get it yeah. we're all in the same yeah. world together Absolutely. you know like and i never bat an eyelash when a musician <laughs> says hey i you know i'm going to get to go play with st louis symphony or chicago i do it too you yeah. know you get called up to the big leagues you go do your thing but if your calendar is empty Sitting around and saying you're worth something and not getting that doesn't make your bank account any higher. And so anyway, I would uh, encourage people to be a little bit more thoughtful around that and not just be so hard about, I believe this and I'm not going to do anything for anything less or whatever. (laughs) Yes. Say yes more than no in life and doors will open. Awesome. Well, Let's talk a little bit about your non-show choir work, and I'll be very interested to see how you then pull it back to show choir, because you're really good at that. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. what other kinds of things have you, uh, you used this term, what you fill your cup, what else have you filled your cup with? So, like I said earlier, 
the show choir component has always kind of just been there in my entire adult life. And again, it kind of touches on what we just talked about. Like that was not enough money to pay my bills. Right. Like, so I have always, always, always been in food service. So while I was doing some of those show choir things in Muscatine, I was managing a restaurant as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and making money to pay the bills. But uh, I've always been interested in politics as well. Mm-hmm. And in Iowa, we have the very lucky um, recognition of having the first caucus, um, which now is a little bit more debated. And <laughs> we might not have it. We might have it. They don't know how we're having it. They don't. Mm-hmm. So that's a story. Is for it both day. sides? Just one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we have always been lucky to get the front row seat to every single presidential hopeful that has ever been. And uh, when I was in Muscatine uh, in 2012, uh, we had the the Republican circus come into town and uh, met a lot of those presidential hopefuls and uh, went to their rallies and asked them hard-hitting questions that aired on CNN and mm-hmm. got the write-up in the paper about, oh, yeah, this guy is a political guy. He goes to everything, you know. So I, I had the bug, um, and uh, I, I shouldn't skip over the fact that in 2008, when I was at Luther, uh, Barack Obama ran for president, and uh, as a senator, you know, they didn't think he was going to go very far. But I, I went to a rally, listened to him, decided he's my guy, uh, got involved in the campaign. They made me a precinct captain at the caucus. But instead of me staying in Decorah, mm-hmm. because that was like reliably blue and they knew that Obama was just going to wipe the floor there, mm-hmm. they knew I was from Walcott. So, so they, they sent you They home. sent me home. <laughs> and I had arguments with the mayor at my caucus, which was super fun. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we we ended up winning two of the three delegates at Walcott, um, and I'd like to think that I played a role in that. <laughs> um, the campaign contacted me afterwards and asked me to become an organizer mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. Oh wow! A, I had never heard of this organizer thing. Mm-hmm. And thought I was very suspicious of it and just thought, yeah, this isn't for me. I've got my Luther thing going for me. And I said, no, Mm -hmm. it is one of the biggest regrets that I have, because I think had I said yes, which you'll hear in a minute, I say yes down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, I I could have been a part of the Obama administration. Who knows? Right. Um, But, you know, hindsight's 2020. (laughs) So, yeah, 2012 Republican circus. I'm asking the Republicans hard hitting questions, kind of getting having a little fun with that hobby. Um, You know that Obama wins again. We're fine. We get to 2016. I meet this grumpy guy named Bernie Sanders. I'm like, this guy's great. I like him. I'm going to support him. He obviously didn't become the nominee. Hillary Clinton was. I backed her right away. Which we met at a Bernie Sanders rally, which is like the best story ever. Yeah. Which is um, when Rachel and I moved to Iowa, we kind of loved the fact that 
we were in a state that seemed to matter politically. Like growing yeah. up in West Virginia, like no candidates ever came to West Virginia because, you know, they just knew how it was going to go before it even even went. So like seeing a presidential candidate was like something that we never thought about. The the literal day that we moved to the Quad Cities, uh, we went downtown and it was during Bix weekend, oh. which is like a super good time for political yeah. candidates to come to the Quad Cities. Just because like there's tons of people downtown and you can shake all the hands you want to do all the Lots things. of photo opportunities. A lot of photo opportunities. <laughs> and if you're a runner, man, you can, can take down the Bix 7. Um the person I met wasn't going to be taking down the Big Seven, but I was literally sitting at Falbo's Pizza. Ooh, we used to have a Falbo's here. We did. Wow. It was in the uh, the Redstone Building. Okay. Um, so where um, Zeke's is currently mm. used to be Falbo's. Anyway, so we're sitting in the window, and I'm like eating pizza, and I was like, I think that's Chris Christie. <laughs> and Rachel's like, Nuh-uh. And I was like, literally, and I mean, it was like, he was just walking down the street by himself. Like he had one handler who was like several feet behind him. But again, it's like, to me, I just seen him on TV and like on, and, and all these debates and stuff. And you imagine, I, I figured he'd be rolling with, with a team, but it was yeah. just him. So anyway, I like ran out and like got an, a closer up picture of Chris Christie yeah. just cause I couldn't believe it. So then, um, we decided that we kind of wanted to see as many as we could in, in whatever ways that we could. And uh, so we went to a Bernie Sanders rally and um, my wife has like some of the best energy out there. Truly. <laughs> and in the sense of like, she uh, is like probably nervous about everything, but when it comes time to do something silly, like it always just happens. That and light so, switch turns on. Right. So we're like, I'm admiring your Bernie Sanders shirt, which was literally a shirt made of all Bernie Sanders faces. So we're like, this guy's awesome. This guy's awesome. And then when it came time to like take pictures at the end, you were getting your selfie with Bernie with Sanders. Grumpy man, Bernie. And uh, in the background of this picture is my wife photobombing. Right, right in the, in middle. the middle. Like <laughs> Bernie doesn't want to get close to you. So there was enough room between us that just one head showed and it was Rachel's. And so after the fact, we thought that was the funniest thing and we didn't know you at this point other than just saying hey at this time. And I think she was like, sorry for messing up your picture. Yeah, yeah. And then we eventually, like, found you on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> yep. And I was like, anyway, so the connection was made there. But, hey. Yeah. You're <laughs> totally right. wild. You are so right, though. Candidates <laughs> in the wild without their staff is such a weird thing. Like, I remember one time, this was way, way, way back in the day, um, when John Edwards was running against Obama. Mm -hmm. It was a Monday night. Davenport was a ghost town because everyone was at the symphony concert. I was yeah. with, I ha yeah, exactly. Where else would you be? <laughs> I was with a friend who was visiting town. We had Chentro's restaurant at the time, downtown Davenport. I decided to treat my friend to a nice dinner. Mm -hmm. We go, there is not a soul in the restaurant as we are walking up. Cause you can see in the windows, I'm about to open the door and John Edwards swoops in, opens it for for me and my friend. We walk in. I'm like, oh my God, it's John Edwards. <laughs> His wife comes in. 
they sit down at a table. We were sat like two tables across. We're, there's no one in this restaurant. <laughs> and it was so crazy. And I remember looking at them and being like, oh my gosh, they're so in love. Which is, if you know well, the John yeah, Edwards was, story, that's no that bueno, story. no bueno. <laughs> I was like, could um, you tell that there were yeah, problems? <laughs> no, I could not. It was, it, it's wild because of the things we found out. But anyways... Fast forward to Bernie Sanders. Yes, yeah. I, I supported Bernie. He wasn't the nominee. Supported Hillary. Did not volunteer because I thought we've got this sewed up. Like mm-hmm. we're going to be fine. The world's going to be fine. Yes, Donald Trump is w- crazy. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there's some supporters of him listening, but probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, when she lost i was not like oh my god like the world is falling apart my thought was oh my god i didn't think this could happen and i did nothing to stop it Mm -hmm. i took some selfies with bernie tried to like support him through that but like Mm -hmm. i did no hard scrabble work right um so i kind of had this deep kind of soul searching time where I kind of, you know, as, as the administration went on with Trump really starting to figure out like, what do I need to do to be a part of the solution? Right. And, um, I had always lived in Iowa and before my 30th birthday, I told myself I need to live somewhere else. So I moved to California Mm -hmm. and this is where everything comes full circle. Okay. <laughs> so remember when I listened to that when David heard with Eric Whitaker from John Burroughs High School? Well, through my show choir work and, you know, becoming a thing in the show choir world and becoming well-known and doing things all over the place, I actually befriended the artistic director of John Burroughs High School. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman Mm -hmm. uh, who just came to Adam Palooza. She vanned from California. Her Mm -hmm. name is Jennifer Ungin. She is brilliant. She is a creative artist that creates shows and costumes. She's an amazing costumer. She choreographs. Um, But yeah, she has, that was her alma mater. And she kind of had the same thing with, like I did, you know, she helped her alma mater out and then she got hired and kept going along. And, Mm -hmm. um, she rented a room out to me, uh, when I lived in California and we were roommates. So Uh that kind of is that full circle moment of like this person that I competed against her group in high school becomes one of my dearest friends. And like, just love her to pieces. So I lived in California for a year. That was a hustle. I did everything under the moon out there. I bartended, I background acted. I did all of the things. I (laughs) just kind of wanted to live life and, you know, but at the end of the day, California, very expensive. Yeah. So I moved back to Iowa to continue doing my show choir freelance work. And, uh, when I moved back was the 2019 cycle of Democrats beginning to announce that they're running for president. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was not going to sit on the sidelines this year. I knew that I wanted to be a part of a campaign. I just didn't know whose campaign. So I started doing the, the, the shopping around of candidates and, um, the, day I f- flew back to uh, uh, the 
from California to Des Moines uh, from a show choir trip. I landed in the Des Moines airport and got in a car and drove to Marshalltown to mm-hmm. hear Pete Buttigieg. It was the day he day after he launched his campaign. He started in Des Moines the day before. They thought, you know, maybe like a hundred people would come to it and there was like hundreds and hundreds of people. They had to move it outside. Wow. So this Marshalltown event was supposed to be a small house party. And they thought there would be 50 people there. Well, I was the first person to arrive. And within 45 minutes, there were 250 people. Wow. They had to move it outside. Mm-hmm. And through the weird workings of the universe, uh, some protesters showed up. There was a guy dressed as Jesus. There was a guy dressed as Satan. There was a guy dressed as Pete. And they were whipping each other and on a loud microphone talking about how Pete's going to hell because he's gay and all this stuff. And it was wild. And because I was the first person at that event and because I had been talking to people and people knew me, some organizer came up to me and said, did you drive here? And I said, yeah. Can you get in your car and go block those protesters out front? Sure. Mm -hmm. Get in my car, block the protesters. The event goes on without a hitch. She comes up to me afterwards. We start talking. She thanks me, asks me where I'm from. At that time, I was living in Iowa City. And she goes, oh, well, I'm based in Iowa City. You know, we should get coffee. (laughs) I get coffee with this wonderful person. Her name is Sarah Goldstein. She was one of the first two people hired on the campaign for Iowa. And uh, within a few weeks, again, this is another thing. Say yes more than no. I was basically assisting her for free. We were traveling the state, picking places where Pete was going to go get ice cream between events, Mm -hmm. you know, doing all the logistics, planning things. And then before you know it, she's saying to me, you need to be an organizer on this campaign. Apply for this job. And as I said before, I said no to the Obama job. And what could have happened then? I I have no clue. So I said, you're right, I do. And Mm -hmm. I applied and uh, got the job. I was one of the first organizers they hired in Iowa with 20 others and... The next year of my life was every single day, Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> there worse things, I think. Yes, yes, yeah. And that that's how I got really into politics. I mean, that was my first political job. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, obviously Pete uh, won the caucus. Some people say he didn't. I don't care. We, we got the most delegates. That's how you win a caucus. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up pulling out of the race uh, before Super Tuesday, and then COVID started. Uh, So that was kind of, I know COVID is not great, and for a lot of people it was devastating, but for me it was a time of like, okay, intense recovery from this campaign that I've just done for a year. And I mean, when I say every day, like it was pretty much every single day and just 14 hours a day, so. Um, (laughs) It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we went on and I uh, applied for a job for the Biden campaign when he was in the general and worked for him in Pennsylvania. So, wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Let's try to start to pull everything together. Yes. Help me out here. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I asked this question and I think we'll, we'll kind of, you know, kind of take some turns here probably. 
I've been trying to find a way to ask this question very eloquently, and it's not come out yet in 40 episodes, but uh, we are not done, right? We're still young folks, and uh, you as an artist and as an individual aren't done, uh, hopefully. (laughs) And so with all of that, like at this point in your life, what are some things maybe that you've learned... um, you know, kind of what would you like all of these kind of experiences to coalesce into? Um, you know, another way I've put it is like, what should the world look to you and see over the next, you know, what's like, what are your goals in the next 10 years? But I, I think it's just always interesting to see what of all those experiences seem to centrally matter to your character. Because I'm going to imagine that you're not the same person that you were when we started this story. Absolutely. And I think all all this stuff kind of piles into who you are. And in that, it's like, you know, um, there's passion in music, there's passion in politics, but there's also seemingly a passion for how all of those things exist within the community that you live. Um, So play around with that soup of, of thinking. It's really difficult to answer that question because you would think there would be some concrete answer that I am like moving towards. Like there is this goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I am not, you'll never meet a human being like me. I'm pretty sure because I like to keep myself open to any opportunity and maybe it's something that I've done before, but also if it's an opportunity that I've never done before, I am open to it. Mm -hmm. I am a single person. I don't have children. I have never had a career path that is just like one route, Mm -hmm. um, which allows me to kind of get to say like, I don't have an answer for you. And I am intrigued to see where it goes as well as you, like Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would be working for an LGBTQ community center three years ago. Like that wasn't a goal that, that was not in my brain, Mm -hmm. but because I worked on these political campaigns, there was a, an answer revealed to me of like, yes, I am doing work that is helping people, but is it actually, is this political work actually helping people? Mm. Some people, yes, but can I have a bigger impact if I'm doing something that is more specific, more, more in a community? Um, Some would say down in the weeds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like for some people, they would have just continued to ride this political train, which I could have, like I had opportunities to join other campaigns and just keep on that political grind and make that who I am. But at a core level, it didn't feel good. It didn't, it doesn't fill my cup. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you know, my show choir work that I do every season. Um, So that made me investigate further into wanting to look to what options I had. And that led me to clock. Mm -hmm. So tell us about clock. Yeah. Um, So just from, from the, from the bare bones of it. Clock Inc. Uh, has only been around for about five years. It's a community uh, center, an LGBTQ community center based in Rock Island. We serve all quad citizens, Iowa and, and Illinois. And most of you know, in Iowa right now, we have 
a lot of anti-LGBTQ legislation that has just been passed. So it's, it is just dire. It is, it's needed more than ever. We have eight different support groups that meet throughout the week all ages. A lot of people um, in the Quad Cities kind of have this idea that clock is just for youth. Mm -hmm. It's not just for youth. It's for everyone. Mm -hmm. We have a transgender non-binary clothing closet. We give uh, free clothing away. We have a binder program for our transgender brothers and sisters. We have a small library. We have a computer lab. Uh, We do free and reduced counseling. we, we do events and trainings. We train, we do trainings with educational institutions, organizations, businesses. Um, we're just trying to fill that emotional need that LGBTQ quad citizens have. Mm-hmm. And, um, the world is, has come a long way since I was a kid, but we also have so much work to do still. Right. Um, so the work that I do with Clock, um, I'm the director of operations, which the fancy way in a small nonprofit like this of <laughs> saying what I do is I always tell people is I do everything except the professional counseling. Like right. it is literally you are fundraising one minute, you are wiping the floors the next minute, you are you're, doing everything. You're working the dunk tank. Yes, Yeah, we just did the dunk tank at Quad City Pride. Well, I worked the dunk tank, but Mark sat in the dunk tank. I got dunked. He was our our birthday boy donkey. So we were so proud and honored to have him. But yeah, so like that work, uh, I never dreamed of doing until I started in the political world. And I was going towards this, like, I wanted to do more. And now... I'm doing the work with clock and I have people ask me all the time, like how many, how, how many years are you going to do this? Do you see yourself in the quad cities right now? I am doing this thing and I love it. And that's all I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of freeballing it. Like I just am like going forth and letting the world, did I say freeballing? That's weird. <laughs> I meant, what did I, I, I meant, uh, what, I don't know what I meant to say, but not freeballing. I said it a third time. That's weird. Anyways, um, I meant to say something else, but yeah. Freestyling. I, freestyling. That's it. Yeah. That's, oh God. I am wearing underwear. I swear. That's um, but yeah, so like, I wish I had an answer and it would make my mother happy if I had an answer, but right. I don't. I, yeah, yeah. I, I have, I've had so many amazing opportunities just kind of come a knocking and the goal is just to give back to this world and use the talents that I have while doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I think this is a good place to end. <laughs> yes, I do I too. I will say that, um, I hope your life is good right now because so much of what you bring to our community is just goodness from, um, you know, from being a bingo caller at the raccoon motel, which is like a silly thing in and of itself that you do excellently. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just being a, a face around town that when you meet people, I see you interact with all kinds of folks and everything always starts with a smile and a, and a, and a, Hey, and you know what we need? We need a ton more Adam Peters in the world than we need other, I, other kinds of that folks. Is so too kind, too kind. <laughs> well, um, I hope to have you back in, let's say, let's do a check-in in 15 years. Okay. Yeah. Might have to be remote. 
but hey, that's we'll, fine. We'll, yeah. At that point, everything will be removed. I am right? eager to see what that looks like. So, <laughs> awesome. well, thanks again for coming on. Thanks I appreciate for having it. me. This is great. Because is produced by Mark Zyla and Jaron Michelle in the studios of WVIK Quad Cities NPR. Thank you for listening to this episode. Because I read Because by Mo Willems, illustrated by Amber Wren, I wanted to learn the becauses of people I admire. Do me a favor and thank someone in your own Because story and join us next time on Because. Because.